we are thinking together about uh, the resurrection of Jesus, John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most radical event in the history of the world. That's quite a statement. The most radical event in the history of the world. Radical has a number of different meanings. And one is revolutionary. Or to be more precise, radical change means an extreme or substantial change in an existing system. So a radical change would be an event that comes along and changes everything. Something truly, truly radical changes all that we know in an instant. Nothing brought more extreme change than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It stands unrivaled as the most radical event in history. So we're going to read it together. We're going to read chapter 20, verses 1 uh, through 18. Uh, this is such an important, powerful story. Uh, could we stand together as we hear the word of God? Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been rolled from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. And I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he said these things to her. May God bless his word to us this morning. You can be seated. 
This is, this is the end of the story. This is the excitement of the whole book of John. This is what John has been pointing to for the entire book, the entire gospel. We come together to John 20. It's exciting. It's resurrection. It's made even more exciting by the fact that John the apostle was present there. He was an eyewitness of these things that we are talking about this morning. Uh, I'd like you to uh, to see uh, a few pictures. Uh, all throughout these last few weeks, I've been giving you uh, different pictures. Uh, one is this picture that we've looked at together. It's actually on the sticker that you have today. It's a picture of a, a garden tomb. Um, there's really two different places that possibly could be the site of, uh, of Jesus' uh, resurrection and the tomb, but this place uh, definitely looks very much like it would have. This would have been very close uh, to where uh, the crucifixion would have taken place. Uh, another shot gives you a view with a, with a large stone there. You can see that stone that would have, uh, would have covered there. They would have rolled that stone over in front of the tomb. Uh, if you were able to, to walk inside the tomb, uh, it would look something like uh, an open area where people could, uh, where, where a person was laid. This next picture will show you. Uh, picture of that. They would carve out these little places where a body could be laid. Uh, many times it would almost have even a little pillow uh, that would be raised up in there and a whole family might be um, in, in this place as a, as a grave site uh, for them. Uh, then uh, the next one uh, shows you inside that very first one I showed you when I first went inside there and saw that and then I turned around to go out and there's this sign that was there and it says uh, he is not here for he is risen which is what the angels uh, has said uh, one of the most sacred slabs in um, the Holy Land is this one right here. It's inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and it's believed that this was the place that Jesus actually would have been laid. And so it's in a protected area inside a church, and the church looks like this last photo. Uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre there, and the big uh, dome on the top there shows um, where that was. So there's just some pictures of the possibility of the places there. But, you know, it really doesn't matter exactly what place he was resurrected because he's not there anymore. He's no longer there. Uh, he is resurrected. Uh, when you think about resurrection, what does, what does resurrection mean to you? If you had to define it, maybe you would describe it as life or rebirth or something miraculous, uh, him being alive or offering us uh, hope. Um, how, how many days was, was Jesus uh, around in a resurrected body? The Bible tells us 40 it tells us that he ran into all kind of different people, over 500 at one particular time. And they, uh, so in a crowd bigger than even in this sanctuary this morning, Jesus appeared to them. It's an incredible event, uh, an incredible event where John focuses on resurrection appearances, who saw him how he saw him. On your outline, I gave you a kind of an order of the events uh, of the resurrection so you can uh, kind of follow along there and see how all the gospels put all this together for us. John loves to, to focus on where Jesus was seen, different post-resurrection uh, appearances. He first of all appeared to Mary Magdalene, uh, appeared to the women, 
Uh, according to when they were, came to the tomb, according to Matthew 28, um, Mary and those women uh, came. Later in the day, we see that he was with Peter and he met the disciples on the Emmaus road uh, to the disciples uh, on, the, on the way back from Jerusalem that day. He met with the apostles without Thomas and he met with the apostles later with Thomas. Uh, he was in Galilee and he met with the seven on the lake uh, there that day. In, uh, in the, he met on a mountain with about 500 believers. He was in Jerusalem at Bethany. Uh, Jesus got around after he was resurrected. Uh, he was all over the place being seen uh, by others uh, around them. The resurrected Jesus is alive. That's what John wants you to know. He makes himself known to people. He presents himself in our lives. And the exciting thing about each of these appearances is the difference that it made in people's lives when they recognize and saw the resurrected Jesus. John 20 is an incredible chapter. The chapter begins with the greatest question mark in human history, and it ends with the greatest explanation point. The greatest question is the fact that Jesus Christ, who was supposed to be the Messiah, was in a tomb. How could that have happened? All the disciples are wondering. The biggest exclamation point in history is the fact that Jesus Christ, though he was dead, is alive and the tomb is empty. Now, this isn't just news that, um, that about what something that happened 2,000 years ago. This is for our life. This is for the question marks in our life. Jesus has the ability through his resurrected power to change all our question marks into exclamation points. Some of you have real question marks today. Questions about what is happening in your life. Questions about struggles and needs uh, that you have. Recognizing that Christ, the risen Savior, is the answer to our questions. The resurrection takes question marks and turns them into exclamation points, and that's the resurrection power of Jesus. As we make our way this morning to the empty tomb, we recognize that Mary's feeling challenged. Several important details happen as we, as we see this story unfold. First of all, we notice that it says early in the morning. That's a detail that we see. The Greek word is basically describing uh, a time of watching from 3 to 6 a.m., very early in the morning. It's still dark. I mean, we get this picture of the women very early in the morning making their way to the tomb. The reason that they did that was it was a tradition for the Jews to go to the tomb uh, in the days after someone had passed to check on the body and to use spices uh, while they were there. Well, they couldn't go the day before because that was the Sabbath. So now it's Sunday morning, it's early, and on that Sunday while it's still dark, they rush to the tomb. The second detail we're given is that it was early on the first day of the week. You know, the first day of the week was Sunday. You know, it might seem like a small detail, but actually uh, it's one of the most important details here. It's the reason that believers today get together on Sunday is because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday morning. Christ should be worshiped every day Every Sunday, it's almost like every Sunday is a reminder to us of the resurrection. So we celebrate Resurrection Day uh, this morning, early on the first day of the week. And then it tells us this picture that the stone was removed. 
You know, every time we kind of read that, um, maybe, maybe you think about the stone just kind of being rolled back as it was rolled in front. It was sealed. But that's really not the word that's used. The word that's used actually means tossed aside. Can you imagine that big old stone we just saw being tossed aside? It wasn't just rolled away. It was tossed aside like the angels came along. Now, I don't know if he kind of used his wing or he had to, I, I don't know what he did, but he kind of just flicked that stone uh, right out of the way, tossed off to the side. See, that's the power of God. The power of God that shows his power uh, through uh, the resurrection. And when that stone is thrown aside, it was thrown aside for a specific reason. It was not thrown aside so Jesus could get out. It was thrown aside so those disciples and us could get in. Jesus, in his resurrected body, we find out, had the power to go through doors and through openings uh, that were there. He didn't even need a doorway. So we recognize, I mean, it's not like, uh, I'm, I'm sure it's not like Star Trek, like beam me up kind of stuff. I don't, um, but he was, he was out of the tomb already. So it wasn't to let Jesus out. But it was to let us in, to let the disciples in so that we could see that the tomb was empty. You know, that's the distinctive of Christianity. That is what is so exciting about Resurrection Day is that you can go to any other religious leaders, any other religious person in the world and you go to their grave and they're there. Somebody is there. But you go to the place where Christ was was crucified, buried. He is not there. It's distinctive of Christianity. We worship a Jesus who is alive. We don't just worship a religion. We don't worship a philosophy. We worship a person who gave himself for us and then was risen from the dead. Jesus Christ, he's alive. Praise God. He is reminding us this morning that he came and he accomplished it for us. Mary in John 2 She's the first one. Uh, she goes to the tomb. She sees that it's empty. She runs to Simon Peter and the other disciple, John. And the he is the one that the Bible says, the one who Jesus loved. That's John. He just doesn't tell you that it's him. Uh, so they decided. Uh, she comes running. They've taken the Lord. And we don't know what they've done with him. It's incredible to realize that Mary's first response to the resurrection was not hope. Mary's first response to the resurrection was confusion. She was uncertain. She was confused. She was filled with doubt and fear. Uh, a lot of times, that, that's our reaction. I mean, what, what was your first reaction? Uh, I'm sure your first reaction when you heard that Jesus was risen from the dead probably was not celebration. Maybe you didn't understand it. Maybe you have no idea what the Bible is talking about. How could this even be possible? Recognizing uh, Mary didn't understand it. She thought that some grave robbers had come and had taken his body. I mean, what would that be like? The one that you had followed, the one that you had come to, to worship. Now you've gone to visit his gravesite and the body is missing. Mary's confused, filled with doubt and fear. You know, the, our response to Jesus in the midst of our confusions and our doubt and our fear. Aren't you glad that Jesus is with us when we're in confusion and we lack understanding? Mary was confused. Thomas 
filled with doubt. The disciples in the upper room, afraid. That's the response uh, that they had. Notice Mary says, they've taken the Lord away. I love that. You know, she, later she says, just tell me where he is and I'll go get him. Like she's going to go get him, I'm sure. Uh, she is struggling. She's confused. Uh, how, do, how do we see the truth of the resurrection? She was able to see it. The disciples were able to see it. How do you and I see it? How do we see the resurrection affecting our families? How do we see the resurrection affecting our life? You know, when we're depressed or discouraged or confused or uncertain or feeling defeated, how do we see the resurrection? John chapter 20, verse 3 through 9, uh, the scripture tells us that John and Peter took off running. I think it's funny that even this many centuries later, Peter wants, I mean, John wants to make sure you know he was faster than Peter. You know, he got, he got there a little, a little bit quicker. Uh, they didn't, he didn't forget any details, though. He's giving you all these details. It's so personal. Uh, all the things that he is reminded of, Peter and the other disciple, they run. John runs ahead. Uh, he stops and he bends over and looks at the strips of cloth that are lying there. Simon Peter busts by him and arrives there and goes inside the tomb. He sees those strips of cloth that are laying there. What's, what's the image that's happening there? You, it, it says there's a, there's a cloth that was covering his head and it was laying a little bit separate. Uh, what's happening, they would take these strips of cloth and they would wrap his body. So they would wrap every leg and wrap his body and wrap his arms and they would wrap him kind of up to his neck and then they would take a, another piece of cloth and lay it over the top of, of, his, of his head. So if you can imagine what they saw, the reason they say that or separated is it looked like a body was still laying there it looked like Jesus was still inside the wrapping that was there the wrapping I mean if you were going to come and you were going to take the body you would either just pick up the body and walk out of there with it or you'd strip all those claws off and throw them to the side they wouldn't be left fully intact and then there's a little separation between his body and his neck and laying right there in the spot where the head would be is that thing that covered his head. Like one of the translations calls it like a napkin uh, that they laid uh, over, over the top. So uh, John realizes that something amazing has happened. Now, when you see this story, uh, there's some things that, uh, that we need. I mean, if we're going to see the resurrection as our story, the way Mary and John and Peter and the other disciples did, one of the things that I need, that I'm going to need in my life is evidence. That's the first point there. We need evidence for our minds. Otherwise, maybe you just think the Bible's making it up. How do we know it's real? I mean, anybody could just make something up. I mean, you could just say, well, I believe that egg this morning I had has power to change my life. What makes the difference? Evidence, things that we can see. That's what makes the difference. Something really happened in that garden at that tomb. Something amazing, something incredible. Uh, this, is a, this is such an interesting passage because um, in, in this section, John uses the idea of seeing Three different times, like in three different ways, like it was three different words that he was describing. You see in verse 5, it says that John bent over and looked in, and the Greek word says that he sees, like he takes a glance at something. He's looking at it, um, j just trying to take in what has happened. 
Then it says in verse 6 that Peter came up and that he saw the strips of linen. It's a different word. It's the word that we get our word fear, theory or theorize from. When he sees it and looks in there, he's beginning to set up some kind of understanding, wondering what has happened here. He's coming up with a theory based on the evidence he's seeing. And then the final time that C is used there is in verse 8. The other disciple, this is John, reaches the tomb. He goes inside. And the scripture says that he saw and believed. He understood. He maybe didn't understand it in fullness, but he believed that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. It's three different ways. You know, I can take the truth about the resurrection of Christ into my life, but do I really see it? Do I just kind of glance at it? Do I just think about it once in a while? You know, the message that we're talking about today changes everything. Changes everything for you and for me. So do we, do we get it? Do I get it? It's not just some theory. It's not just some occurrence. God wants us to get it. God wants us to see it. You know, some people think that to have faith means you just stop thinking. But you think... We think as Christians, we use our minds and we allow Christ to help us understand what is happening. What's the evidence? The evidence of the historical record, the fact that history proclaims that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Another proof is the change of life of the disciples. That is incredible evidence. These disciples weren't shrewd men that figured out how to come up with some new weird way to start a religion. Let's get our leader killed. Then we'll go hide in the upper room, and then all of a sudden, we'll become people with new hope. Oh, that'd be impressive. No, these were depressed people. They were hiding from fear for their life, and all of a sudden, overnight, their lives have been changed. They had a radical change in them. They were not afraid anymore. They weren't afraid of being arrested. What happened? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. A third proof was the silence of the enemies. I mean, just think through the whole thing in, in a minute. Just think if you were one of Jesus' enemies, one of the Romans or the Jewish Pharisees, and you have the disciples going around saying, hey, he's alive, he's alive. What would you do? The first thing you would do to try to figure out and shut them down was just go find the body. Just present the body. If they could find the body of Jesus and produce it, the whole thing would be done. But they couldn't find a body because there wasn't a body to be found except the one that Jesus was walking around in. They, they sealed the tomb. They didn't think Jesus could get out. But when Jesus burst out of the tomb in the resurrection, there was no body any longer there. I'll tell you another piece of evidence is the change that happened in me. And the change that has happened in us as believers is looking at what Jesus did in our life and realizing the transformation that he has brought to all of us. The difference is the empty tomb. The difference is the reality that Jesus Christ is alive. The difference is that Jesus really is resurrected. That is not just a philosophy or a nice thought. It is evidence of realizing that Jesus Christ is alive. Praise his name. For John, the evidence was, was really powerful. Whatever it was, whatever he saw there, it helped him uh, to believe. What is it that made him believe? It was those grave clothes. He just couldn't get over that. He couldn't believe that the body, just like it evaporated right out of that clothing. Um, he recognized that Jesus, just as he had promised, was resurrected. Uh, they saw those clothes and they came out as believers. 
You know, we not only need evidence for our minds, but we need answers for our hearts. Answers for our heart. You know, if I'm going to believe in a resurrected Lord and the difference that he can make in my life, I need, I need some answers for my heart. That's where Mary Magdalene comes in. John may have been the first to believe, but Mary was the first to see the resurrected Lord. Uh, Mary recognizing Jesus, Mary seeing Jesus unexpectedly, uh, that's... Uh, her seeing him, what a, what a moment for her, this incredible scene that Mary doesn't recognize Jesus at first. Look what happened. The disciples went back to their home, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over uh, to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where the body of Jesus had been. Uh, I don't know where they were when John was there, but now these angels uh, are seated there. Why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away. I don't know where he is, where they put him. Uh, you have these two angels sitting there in white. In verse 14, it says she turns around and she sees Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. Why not? Why didn't she recognize him? I know it's a resurrected body, but many others recognized him. Why not Mary? First thing was that she was crying. Her tears. She couldn't see Jesus through those tears. The Bible says that she is weeping, but it wasn't some little tear. She was crying, weeping, tears streaming down her face. She is brokenhearted, and the tears caused her not to be able to even recognize who he was. The second reason was the focus that she had. It has all to do with, with, with her sight. She can only see this empty tomb. She's still peering in there, trying to find the resurrected Lord. The empty tomb is a great thing because the resurrected Lord is the one that we worship. We don't worship a tomb. We don't worship a place. We're worshiping a living Lord, a Savior. We allow ourselves to, to focus on, if we allow ourselves to focus on some tradition or some place, you know, those pictures that I showed you there, those are not the place that we worship. We worship the risen Savior. You know, sometimes we get ourselves off focus. There are times in our life when in the resurrected Lord is right there and he wants to make a difference in your life. But maybe you're like Mary and you're struggling. And Jesus asked her questions. Question number one, why are you crying? Good question. She's seeing the cross. She's seeing the suffering She's seeing the death of Christ. She's seeing him taken to the tomb and buried. Now, three days later, she comes back to the tomb and feels like his body has been stolen. Because of that, she's hurt. She's crying. It's a reminder to us that when we are hurt, when we are struggling, we need the resurrected Savior we need the power, the encouragement, the help that he brings to us in our depression, in our struggling, in our hurt. Uh, what's making you hurt? What's making you blind to what the spirit of Christ is wanting to do in you? Mary is a lot like us. She reminds us so much of what we need and the hurt that we feel to listen and to realize that Jesus is with us. One of the things about this cross story and resurrection story is it's so personal to us. Look at her as she's talking to Jesus and as Jesus talking to her. Why are you crying? He has hope. He is the resurrected Savior. Who are you looking for? She can't find him. You know, Jesus is great at asking uh, just the right question. 
Mary listens to the question and she begins to hear and her life is beginning to turn around. She's beginning to, to hear what Jesus has said to her. And then one last thing. If I'm going to see the resurrected Lord the way that she did in my daily life, I need a relationship for my soul. I need a relationship with him. I need a relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. Uh, I notice in this scripture, it says, thinking he's the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him and I'll get him. Mary's going to try to work this out herself. Um, and then Jesus says, most unbelievably, Mary. He calls her name. She turned around and she says, Rabboni, Mary, go tell my brothers. I mean, Mary's in the garden and she's looking for the resurrected Lord. It's, it's going to be recorded in the scripture for all time. How personal, how personal it is. She comes to him. You know, she doesn't notice him at first and then she realizes who he is. First, she says, I recognize you, Lord, but then powerfully, you recognize me. I, I love the way Jesus recognized her. One word, one name, Mary. John 10 told us, I will call my sheep by name. The incredible thing to me is that the first word out of the mouth of the resurrected Jesus Christ aren't some words of doctrine and theology. He doesn't give us some, some words about the development of Christianity. He just calls a woman's name. The incredible thing is that he recognized and called her by name. She had heard it over and over and again, and she had recognized his love for her. And now he calls her. The resurrection moves us from a historical event to being a personal event when we hear Jesus Christ speak our name. He knows your name. On a resurrection day like today, a Sunday when we gather, maybe you feel like you're just kind of hidden away, that nobody really knows what's going on in your life. The resurrected Jesus is alive. The resurrected Jesus is in this place. He is risen. He's alive. They begin to tell. They begin to jump around and give praise to him. I mean, what would it feel like? What would it feel like for you to hear your name called out by the resurrected Jesus? What could it offer to us except pure and beautiful worship of this resurrected Jesus. Praise his name. Praise his name. We celebrate him, the risen Savior. Oh, what would it feel like to know that he knows you today? Praise him.
Wow. You can be seated. I don't know what it felt like. That was the best way I could think about to celebrate it. Jesus says, go and tell my brothers. Go and tell my brothers. How phenomenal. They would call them brothers. He'd never called them brothers before. Called them friends. But now there's a, a change in the family. Go and tell my brothers I'm returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. He's showing that we have the same relationship because of the resurrected Jesus, because of our relationship with him. And then Mary says, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. Our band's going to come and help me in this service in just a moment. Think about this scene on Resurrection Day. Three days in a tomb, but he did not stay there. His strength did not fade there. No bones were in decay there. Instead, death was slain there. A dead life raised there. His power displayed there. Our hope was created there. We are alive because he is alive. We rise up because he is risen. We win because he got up and he still gets up. He stands up to fight for you breathes new life into you. It is love so great, so deep, so long, so high, so wide, so steep, so strong. There is no place in us that he cannot feel. There is no wound that he cannot heal. He rose from darkness to glory. And he rewrote our story. He is risen. Jesus is alive. Could I ask you some questions? Have you seen the risen Jesus? Have you seen him? Have you seen him at work in your life? Have you seen his involvement in you? Have you heard him personally calling out your name? What would it take for you to believe. Most of you in this room have grown up around Easter's and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. But if you're in this room today and you're still trying to figure it out, what more could it take for you to believe than Jesus Christ to rise from the dead? He rose from the dead for you. He knows you. And if you're a believer today, how, how radical has the change affected you? How radical has the change affected you? I was thinking that uh, I've, been, I've been walking with Jesus for uh, almost 50 years since I, re I remember making that commitment to Jesus. 
You know, I don't know about you, but I got, I still got it, man. I still feel it. I've, I come here this morning with great joy and excitement as I was driving here, thinking about Resurrection Day. Uh, every time that we gather, have you been radically transformed? I didn't ask you if, you if you were saved, but the resurrection is an opportunity for us to be completely transformed by what Christ has done in us, making us alive uh, in him. 